Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Becca Freeman. And I'm Olivia Mentor. And it is our April edition of Three Things. It is. And it feels like summer outside. It does. Before we get into some highs and lows, though, can we give a sneak preview of the things? Sure. Yeah, you go first. Oh, I go first. Okay. So my first thing is this Atlantic article called Live Closer to Your Friends. My second thing that I want to talk about is if we, quote unquote, get the allure of Pete Davidson. (laughs) And uh, then my third thing is a mystery guest thing. I'm seeding my third thing to a mystery guest. I know what it is, but I'm excited about it. What have you brought for us? I have Succession, this week's episode. Succession as a whole. I'm so glad you brought that. My problems comprehending the show and my love of it. Sure. I also have alcohol as a subject. Okay. (laughs) I have this theory that I think the culture around drinking is changing. Okay. And I want to talk to you about it. And my third thing is I want to know what's on your mood board for spring and summer. Oh, okay, great. Your, Your imaginary mental mood board. Yeah, yeah. I love this. Let's get to some highs and lows first. I want to hear all about your high. Uh, My high is that I was in Charleston last weekend visiting Grace. It was a little bit of a last minute trip. I really wanted to go and see her new house, which, by the way, is gorgeous. I mean, it's decorated so well, but I also told her I've never seen a house that was so chicly outfitted by the, the builders or previous owners, like all of the fixtures and like the tie like it all is so perfect like it it could not have been more perfect oh that's awesome yeah every time I see a photo of it it's just like so her and so beautiful so oh that sounds it's amazing and she kept saying like oh I'm I'm like not I'm not done with it yet and I was like this looks incredible oh gosh well and you got to stay there lucky you I did I did so I had this wonderful weekend in Charleston Um, I just went from Friday to Sunday, and it worked out pretty perfectly. So Friday, I went super early, and we had just the perfect weather day. It could not have been nicer. So we went out to lunch. We went for a super long walk around the Battery, and then we had dinner reservations at The Ordinary, which is somewhere I'd never been before. And then Saturday, it rained all day, which was actually kind of nice Because I've been to Charleston, I think, like five times at this point. So there wasn't a mad rush to sightsee or to do things. Um, So we just kind of had a chill day. We read, we watched movies. And then in the afternoon, um, do you know Jen Lake? No. She's a blogger and influencer who lives in Chicago. But her and her husband happened to be in Charleston as well. So they came over for cocktails and we got to catch up with them. And then we had the earliest bird dinner. I think it was like a 5.30 dinner. I love that, though. It's the best. Oh, it's the best at Charleston Grill, which was definitely the best restaurant meal we had the whole weekend. Um, And then I realized that I did this two years in a row without knowing I booked a trip to Charleston. Grace didn't realize either over Easter. And so I spent Easter with Grace's family, which was so nice. It looked so fun. That's like the perfect... The perfect weekend trip, I it was think. Perfect. You're not flying for too long. It's just a perfect balance of relaxing and exploring. Yeah, and it was so good to get to spend quality time with her and also to get to see her family, who I love. And oh, it was it was great. And I, I felt like it wasn't so go, 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 go that I came back exhausted. Like I really right. hit the ground running on Monday and was like, oh, that was really re-energizing, not depleting. 
Oh, restorative. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Good. I'm happy for you. What about you? What's your high? My high is I put gardening on the outline, but I'll be honest, I'm not really doing any gardening. It's more just like roaming the yard and like seeing all the different things that are popping up (laughs) because we didn't really know what type of plants were around because it's been the dead of winter for forever. So it's just like so nice to have a cup of coffee and... I paused there. I'll get to the cup of coffee betraying me in my low, but it's just been so nice to have a drink and walk around and look at all the signs of spring. And it's really peaceful and just nice. And I see that you have adopted the hands behind the back pose. <laughs> yeah. Do you know that there is a, um, a name for it? And I can't, I can't find it, but is it an Italian word because I yes. feel like, <laughs> it's gotta be. Yeah. Yeah, it's like retired Italian men who stand in that pose with their hands behind their back and watch construction sites. That's exactly me. It's exactly me wandering my yard in my pajamas just every single day doing nothing. Like Uh not any activity. Just just observing. Just observing. Oh, okay. Wait, I found it. Apparently it's called Umarel. Oh, good. Well, that makes it sound European. Yeah. (laughs) We'll go with that. It's an Italian slang word in Bologna. Umarels are those people, usually retired men, who spend time watching construction works, often holding their hands behind their back, occasionally commenting on what is going on. That's me. That's me. Very interested in construction. <laughs> well, it's gardening, but like I feel like it's an umbrella term. I am observing. It's like instead of construction, it's just a plant. Yeah. And I'm just watching it. It's Earth's construction. Mother Nature's construction site. Exactly. That was poetry. That was beautiful. Thank you. But tell me the low, because I feel like the garden had its revenge. Yeah, the low was not great. So yesterday morning was the first morning it's been warm, like above 60. So I had this great idea to sit outside and write at like 8 a.m. And I put my coffee in the microwave because I wanted it to stay hot for longer. And I did it for a minute. And this was not my smartest choice because the coffee spilled because I rested on the arm of the chair like an idiot. And I just screamed so loud. It was almost like how hot it was didn't hit me for a second. But and then I couldn't get my leggings off of my body fast enough. And I came inside and (laughs) Jake is, by the way, nowhere to be found. I pull my pants down. This is TMI, but I'm wearing a thong. So I'm just like completely naked from the the top down. Pants on my ankles. Exactly. Like at eight o'clock in the morning, Jake comes down. He's like, what's going on? And I look back and just all my skin has gone off my leg. Oh, my God. And it's my upper thigh and some of my butt cheek. Anyway, I went to urgent care and got a bunch of stuff. And it's second degree burns. (laughs) Oh, my God. It was the most pain I have ever experienced in my life. Like, I don't wish it on anyone. I'm so anyone. sorry. That could not Becca be. I've seen photos. I have seen photos. That could not be worse, too, because now I asked you yesterday. I was like, is it just tummy time for the foreseeable future? Like, what do you do? You're standing right now as we record. Yeah, it's it's mostly OK today. I have this cream that um, I think it has pain medicine in it. But it's mostly just like having to change the bandages. Like I keep, I texted my friends, like I felt like a revolutionary war soldier, like every morning, just like wrapping it and whatever. Anyway, I'm alive. It's fine. But it was super painful. And I felt incredibly 
dumb. That was the biggest thing. But I'm sorry. We carry on. What is your low? Um, you would think that my low should be my high, which shows you how quickly good things become bad things. <laughs> um, my low is this weather for two reasons. So right now it is in the 80s in New York City. Like it's straight day. It is like summer. And um, I have two complaints. The first one is my allergies are out of control. Mm. Like I feel yeah, like there was no, yeah, there was no easing in. It was just like yesterday morning and action. Yeah. Um, and the second is I have no motivation to do any work. I just have end of the school year energy right now. So I have unfortunately not worked yesterday or today. And I told you today it's like 88 in New York. It's too hot. I don't even want to be outside or go for a walk. Like yesterday I was like, I just want to be outside and bask. Today I just want to yeah. sit and sign the air conditioning. Today is too hot. I it's it was jarring how hot it is. Like I have not experienced I don't know, my body went into shock. Like going it was literally 30 degrees here two mornings ago. Oh and gosh. now it is 90? Yeah. Something's broken. I mean, global warming. Um but <laughs> that yes, that. Today I just sat and read a whole book this morning. Well, that is your job too. I mean, I guess so. But um, research. Sure. That's generous. <laughs> uh, I mean, take the win. Take the win. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Well, maybe let's take a quick ad break and then get into some things. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I've talked about this so much on this podcast and in my newsletter and on Instagram, but it's 100% true. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do until we talk through things. Therapy can be a great way to learn positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. And most importantly, it isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma or are going through a particularly hard time. And BetterHelp makes therapy more accessible and stress-free than ever. It's entirely online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. To get started, you just have to fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. This makes it so much easier to find the perfect therapist for you instead of just settling for the first person you call. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash BadOnPaper to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash BadOnPaper. Olivia, I have to insist that we start with your first thing because all I can think about is is the last episode or I guess episode three of Succession because when this airs, there'll have been another one that we don't know about yet. It was an iconic episode of television, I think. I think it will go down. I am already seeing people say this, that it's like one of the best written episodes of television ever. Like people will win awards. Like this will be studied. It is iconic. So... What what were you expect? Okay, actually, let me back up. Okay, what were your thoughts going into this episode? Did you watch it on Sunday night? Did you go in blind, or did you see some of the chatter? Okay, so what was your experience? And you know, needless to say, spoilers about Succession here. If you want to skip through, what was your reaction 
to the entire episode? Were you shocked? Sad? Did you cry? Did you laugh? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I watched on Sunday night, maybe 15 minutes off of real time. And Mm. I remember going in. I remember having seen maybe some Dumois spottings of when they were filming Connor's wedding. And so Mm. I was like, oh, I think this is going to be a really good episode. I think this is like a big thing. And I remember being really surprised by what Shiv was wearing the minute she showed up on screen with her hair in that black outfit. And I was like, huh, that's a choice. Yeah. And right away I was like, huh. And and then I also, from the previously on, was very intrigued by what was going to happen because the previously on had had the aftermath of uh, Roman sending Jerry the dick pic. And right. so I was like, oh, okay, we're going to get back to this plot line. So I was very excited, very confused. I was not expecting, I was not expecting Logan to die. And it's actually really funny because when we were watching the first episode, I was watching it when I was in Rehoboth. And so I was with three friends and they were convinced that Logan was going to die in the first episode. And I was like, there's no way. Absolutely not. Like, they're not going to kill him. Like, no, no, no. And so I was very, I mean, they thought it was going to happen in that episode, but I didn't think if it were to happen, it was going to happen until much later. I was positively shocked. And all of these people, like you kind of watch the show and you don't really have a lot of empathy for any of them usually. They're all such terrible and somewhat cold people who have made their own graves and you're kind of just like spitefully watching where you're like, enjoy your grave of money. (laughs) Um, And I thought it was so poignant the kids reactions to talking to Logan while he was dead or dying on the on the phone like I thought it was so sensitively portrayed but it also felt really realistic and like really true to the characters and I I was sobbing I was sobbing and I was texting all of my group chats to be like is anyone else watching like is anyone watching Succession I needed somebody to talk about it and for whatever reason even though I feel like everyone I know watches Succession, nobody was watching it in real time. It's late. I'm like in bed by that time, but I didn't either. But then I started seeing the comparisons to the Red Wedding episode of Game of Thrones. And I was like, what happened? Well, wait, same question to you. When did you watch it? What did you know watching it? I watched it Monday night, which is when I usually watch it. I kept seeing that something big happened. I feel like the internet I, was pretty good about not spoiling it. I did see like the the photo that people were sharing of the three of them hugging. Right. So I and they were all wearing black or dark colors, dark suits, whatever. So I was like, okay. But and honestly, I should have seen it coming that he died because it really stuck out to me that in the episode before, which I thought was a very strange episode, that he said, I love you. Which I can't recall that happening at another point in the, in the show. Maybe it did and I missed it. But I just thought that was interesting. So it may, I should have seen it because I feel like that, that was important for him as a character. But I was, yeah, I mean, the fact that he died was shocking. But also the way that they did it is so succession and so perfect. But it was so, like, anticlimactic in a way. <laughs> Like, it was just Tom calling and being like, hey, he's dead. Like, it wasn't, there was so much suspense, but at the same time, it wasn't like some big, dramatic, typical scene. I loved that about it, though. Yeah, me too. It made it really, like, super emotional to watch. Now, have you seen the theories, the iPhone theories? 
no. Is this about Carrie being pregnant? I've seen that theory. No. So um, in, in the world, not just in succession, there is a rule that um, if you are using an iPhone on a TV show, you cannot have a case on it, which is why no iPhone ever has a case in a TV show. And only good guys can use an iPhone. Nobody who is a villain can use an iPhone. And this is their like blanket rule. And so in that whole scene where Logan was dying, everyone has an iPhone except for Tom, who has a Google Pixel phone. And it feels like Tom Wamscans. Yeah, it feels like Tom would be the guy who had the, the iPhone to fit in. Like he doesn't seem to me like the Android green text type guy. Right. Huh. That is fascinating. I something something big is going to happen with Tom recently because when Tom was like, they should know that I was with him. It gave kind of like he's about to do something drastic to himself kind of thing. But then because I feel like all of the implications going forward are not good for Tom. No, nothing is good for Tom. He's destroyed. Right. Do you have any predictions about how the season will end and who will end up at the top? No, because I mean, I do, I guess, but maybe, maybe Shiv, but anything that I would predict, I know succession is better than that. Mm. (laughs) So it's almost like I know they're smarter than me. And I know that like they're, when I saw the theory about Carrie being pregnant and that's why she was so like in shock and she just found that out, whatever. I was like, they would never do something that soapy, you know? Mm -hmm. Do you? No, I I can't even begin to think about what it is. I feel like. You know, it really can't be Kendall or Roman, even though that probably is realistic. But it's like the patriarch. Like, I, I feel like there would be an uprising if this is straight white male won. Right. So I could see Do you think Shiv, someone's going to win? I don't know. Maybe they all lose. I would like to see Jerry win in some way. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either. It'll. But if this is episode three, mm-hmm. man. I How think many we episodes have a lot. are there? Eight? I don't know. Let me look Ten? Nine. Oh, I am so thrilled for us as a society. We have so much good television ahead. Oh, gosh. I'm excited to watch that finale with everyone. I think it's going to be epic. Oh, me too. <sighs> well, tell me your thing. Oh, so my first thing is this article in The Atlantic from last month called Live Closer to Your Friends. And then the subheading is They Make Your Life Better, So Why Not Turn Them Into Your Neighbors? And I found this this article very interesting because this is kind of one of the unspoken principles that I've lived my life by. I've actually lived in the same building as friends two different times. And I feel like the optimal situation is you don't have a roommate, but you live in the same building with a friend so that you can like not have to put shoes on, but still casually hang out. Um, I think you're right. So in San Francisco, I did this with my friend Lauren. And then in New York, I did this with Grace until she moved to Charleston. But anyway, I I just really loved the article. But there were a couple of stats in it that I thought were so interesting. And then there was a reaction article to it in Anne Helen Peterson's newsletter, Culture Study, that I also thought was really interesting. Can I just tell you the stats and then I want to get your read on the article? Yes. Okay. So from the Atlantic article... 
I thought this was super interesting. When one person becomes happier, their next door neighbor's chances of also growing happier rise by 34%. That's wild. Here's my question. How do you possibly do that study? No idea. (laughs) Um, And then it says friends living within a mile of each other are 25% more likely to feel happy. Huh. I know. Interesting again. And then from the Anne Helen Peterson article, which was basically like, yes, this sounds great. Why don't we do this? The average adult in the U.S. lives only 18 miles from their mother. And 80% of U.S. adults live less than a two-hour drive away. But if you have a college or graduate degree, you're more likely to live further away. That's, oh, that's interesting. That stat blew me away. I had no idea. That is fascinating. And then her number one reason that she said, why don't we do this? There were some very practical ones about the housing market and job market. But her number one was we're not socialized to prioritize friendship. That's true. There's also no stigma about living far away from your friends. But Absolutely. there is sort of a stigma. I, we, I won't call it a stigma. But there is sort of a thing about like, why would you ever move further away from your parents? That's a thing. And her response talked a lot about childcare, where, you know, potentially either married couples with children move back closer to their parents to have built in childcare or vice versa. Their parents move closer to them to be closer to their grandkids. But basically, she also was positing that the fulfillment and benefit you get from having parents close by is not a supplement for what you get from having friends close by. Mm -hmm. Like, I just truly believe that the optimal, my optimal situation is a golden girls type situation not all in one house but like all in one apartment building so I guess it's a friends yeah I think you're totally right when I studied abroad I lived in a house where I have my own room but a shared kitchen oh and someone who became one of my closest friends lived on the floor below me but in the same house and it I just remember that time of my life with such fondness like just being able to walk into someone's room and like have a bad day, have a good day, whatever. Obviously knock first, but <laughs> but it just felt very like I felt very supported. I feel like I have seen multiple people recently and I'm going to do this right now too, have kind of like nostalgic thoughts about the early pandemic and just like how much time we had and how much we appreciated things. But and you know, it was also a mindfuck of a time and like really scary and like really dark. But I remember just one of the bright spots living in the same building as Grace was just popping over, coming over for dinner, being able to have these like casual hangs and like having this built in under one roof friendship. Yeah. I mean, it seems ideal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I just thought it was so interesting hearing some of these stats that support that it's not just oh, this is something I prefer or like, but that there actually are, and to your point, how do you measure some of this? But there are statistical differences in happiness when you live closer to your friends. Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, I will say I ran into one of my like two neighbors at the post office the other day and we had just like this chat. She was like, I have to have you over for drinks sometime. And it just, that one 10 minute conversation, I don't know, it really boosted my spirits. Like, a lot, like disproportionately (laughs) to how much it should have, I think. But yeah, that's, that makes sense to me. I don't know. Both of these are definitely worth a read. We'll put the links to them in the show notes. And I would love to discuss them more in the Facebook group. I just, 
I feel like the Atlantic article is a little bit more idealistic about like, wouldn't this be nice? And the Anne Helen Peterson one is like a little bit more of a practical response to it. But yeah, something to think about for sure. It is. Okay. What's your next thing? Oh, my next thing is that I think society's relationship with alcohol seems to be changing and that I want your thoughts on this. So this is inspired by two things. One, I feel like I'm seeing a lot more people who are like sober or sober curious in a way that doesn't have anything to do with recovery. Uh Uh-huh. And and also non-alcoholic options everywhere. Oh, yeah. The non-alcoholic beverage, non-alcoholic alternative beverage market is booming. Yes, definitely. And then the other thing I saw, which I wanted to get your take on, kind of related, is I saw a TikTok that said they think, this person thinks, that alcohol drinking will be like what smoking was 30 years ago. That's interesting. Or, Or how we feel about smoking now is how in 10 years, 15 years, people will think about drinking. And I didn't, I don't know if I agree with that 100%, but I found it interesting to think about. And I I wanted to hear your thoughts on all of this. Interesting. I don't know. I mean, I know that statistically speaking, Gen Z consumes less alcohol than millennials or previous generations. And I think Gen X outdrinks millennials. So I think like the further back you go, the higher the consumption goes. So it's interesting because it's like, do they not drink because they're not young enough, not as into partying and like aren't using alcohol as a coping mechanism and that will come with age? Or is it like that they just have a totally different relationship with it and that I don't know how to how to gauge? And then I've seen a lot of studies about women drinking and how women's drinking has like come up to parity with men's over the past couple of decades where previously much more alcohol consumption was done by men. And there's, I think, both a pressure in women in the workplace and fitting into a boys club mentality, drinking more women going to college and like drinking and partying in college that I've seen just like overall those statistics go up. And then I know that I think generally like most people drank more in the pandemic too. So I wouldn't be surprised if you're right and there's a backlash. It's actually really interesting. When I was in Charleston, Grace was saying that there's a, a trend online that there's a bunch of influencers who are like kind of not drinking, but also kind of being a little sanctimonious about it. And I haven't seen that in my feed. Have you? Are you following maybe the same people? I don't, they don't come to mind immediately. um, But I have seen on TikTok quite a bit of like Mm. sober living content that again is not having to do with addiction or recovery or anything like that. It's like half oh yeah, like that sounds, that sounds good. (laughs) And half like, is this just another wellness trend, you know, that everyone's doing like matcha or or whatever. Like I'm sure there are health benefits from it or lifestyle benefits, but I don't know if that's the reason that they're doing them primarily. If, you know, we were to be really honest here, but I did think it, I saw an article that, that came out that said that all the studies that show that like moderate drinking, like a glass of red wine or something is actually good for you are bullshit. Right. I've seen that too. And I'm kind of seeing it all conflated at the same time. So I don't know. I, I find that I'm like more curious about how I drink than I used to be, I guess. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I, I mean, I would love to see more alternatives and even I like a few Saturdays ago, this might have actually been a couple months ago. I might be 
might not have been as recent as I'm thinking. I'd been out with friends the night before and we wanted to do something the next day. And I was like, I don't want to drink. Like I want to like do an activity that doesn't involve drinking, you know, and especially in New York City when it's cold weather, you don't want to be outside. You're like, okay, where can we have a prolonged plan inside? It usually involves around like eating or drinking. And so we're, we're like racking our brains to figure out like what a fun, you know, I didn't want to go bowling, like what would be a fun activity. And so like, I'd love to see more things popping up that are fun social activities that don't center around drinking. Yeah, I totally agree. What did you guys end up doing? Well, so we, we tried to go to the standard beer garden because they have ping pong tables. So we were like, oh, that would be really fun to play ping pong, but it ended up being a mob scene and we couldn't get anywhere near the ping pong tables. (laughs) I've been there like twice and both times I was like, this is too many people <laughs> for me. Um, so it didn't quite work out. I mean, we did have beers, but then we also brought Monopoly Deal. That was the weekend that I learned how to play Monopoly oh, yeah. Deal. So we were like playing games kind of. Oh, well, I'll be curious to see how it continues to change, especially living here. Like one of us has to drive if we go out. Yeah. So I've just noticed how much more like non-alcoholic beer, non-alcoholic cocktails and also like that if I have to be the one to drive, I feel so much better. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, why can't I just choose this all the time? But I also love wine and I love to have a drink and have fun. So anyway, lots to think about. Do you have a a mocktail or a non-alcoholic, like a fun non-alcoholic alternative of choice? I really like the athletic brewing non-alcoholic beer that's not a cocktail, but I'm not a huge cocktail person to begin with. So um, I like those. And then I forget the name, but I'll put it in the show notes. Jake got these non-alcoholic mojito things. Mm. And I was very skeptical because I don't even really particularly love mojitos. No, it's too sweet. Yeah. These weren't that sweet. And they tasted like they had alcohol in them. I, I don't know. I checked like five times. But so there's all kinds of stuff popping up, though. I try to like try a new thing every week now. My thing that I'm really into for like a treat beverage at the end of the day as like an alternative to alcohol is I really like taking a wine glass, putting like a lot of ice in it and then doing like a quarter of a glass of fresh grapefruit juice, like the really, really tart kind. And then I love it with LaCroix peach pear seltzer. Oh, that sounds so good. And it's like refreshing, but because of the the tanginess of the grapefruit juice, like it still kind of has like a little bit of a bite to it. Oh, I mean, that sounds perfect because I love, like, the feeling of holding a wine glass. Yeah. Like, just the, the, I don't know, the overall ambiance of it. Anyway, I'm going to try that one. Maybe I'll get the ingredients next time I'm at the grocery store. I really like it. It's so refreshing. Especially now that it's 150 degrees outside oh in my April. God, I know. <laughs> I know. Let's take another ad break before we continue with some more things. So I love it when we have book ads. And I was so excited when we were reached out to about this one because it's a book that I already can't stop raving about anyway. Today's episode is brought to you by the audio edition of Adelaide by Genevieve Wheeler. The audio is read by Caitlin Kelly, and the story is so personal and intimate that having it read to you by such an incredible narrator was just so incredibly immersive. The book tells the story of Adelaide Williams, an American expat going to grad school in London. The dream. And even more dreamy is the swoony Brit she falls in love with. Except he doesn't quite love her back, or enough anyways. 
If you're a fan of raw emotional relationship stories like Tell Me Lies by Carola Lovering, this one is definitely for you. You've probably seen this book everywhere, and you've definitely heard me rave about it organically in a past episode. I truly cannot recommend this book enough. The story is so heartbreaking and so real, and there are some really well-portrayed mental health themes. I just wanted to reach through the book and give this character such a big hug. And truly, the writing had me on the floor. It was so well-written, and it really reminded me of an American version of Dolly Alderton or Sally Rooney. I think everyone is going to be talking about this book this spring, and I'm also seeing it everywhere right now, so don't be left out of the conversation. The audiobook edition is available wherever books are sold. Pick up your copy of the audio edition of Adelaide by Genevieve Wheeler today. It's out now. Okay. My second thing that I've brought to discuss is, do you understand the allure of Pete Davidson? God, I don't know if we have enough time to talk about this, but this has been on my mind recently because I'm oh, reading romantic comedy right now. Oh, have you have you read it I by have. Curtis Sittenfeld? I keep picturing one of the characters as Pete Davidson. I think it's supposed to be based on Pete Davidson. I think it's maybe an amalgam of Pete Davidson and Colin Jost. That's kind of what I was thinking. So, yeah, um, I've been thinking about Pete Davidson more than usual, which is. Still more than I should be, probably. But he's everywhere. The man is everywhere. Where are you netting out? I, it's not like I look at him and I think, wow, beautiful. But I do think that if we were to hang out, I would be like, I get it. I don't know. (laughs) Does that make sense? Like, I understand it, but I don't necessarily feel it at all times. Sure. How do, how do you feel about him? Well, the reason I brought this as a topic is because I feel like if you had asked me even three months ago, I would have said, I don't get it at all. At oh, all. What has changed? And, and, you know, especially I feel like there's so much chatter about him and Kim Kardashian, him dating all these super hot women. And like, I just have never seen it. So two things changed. So first, I watched this movie over the weekend with Grace that I am obsessed with. It's called Meet Cute, and it's him and Kaylee Cuoco. I saw this in your newsletter. Yeah. And I was curious. I'd never heard of it. I hadn't either. Well, I had. I'd actually heard about it in the context of, I feel like they filmed it in Australia when him and Kim Kardashian were dating, and so there was a lot of drama around he was away, and like maybe it was a contributing factor to why they broke up. But I I hadn't heard anything about the movie itself. And And it was good? I am obsessed with it. And I don't particularly care about either of those actors. And I thought it was so good. It's a romantic comedy. It's a very non-traditional romantic comedy. It has a time travel element to it. But I thought it was really well done and really unique and unexpected. Hmm. And in that movie, I got a glimpse. And at the beginning, I was like, nah. And by the end, I was like, I might be coming around on Pete Davidson. Oh, it was, then, it was just, was it the humor, the charm? Yeah, the it was the humor and the charm and that he did seem like a genuinely good guy. He had terrible facial hair in it. He had this dumb little mustache that was like so bad. That seems on brand. And then the other thing is, did you see Emily Ratajkowski's comments about him? No, I just saw the photo of her and Harry Styles. Oh, yeah. Well, she, <laughs> I think she was on a podcast maybe and she she had this quote and she said, 
I actually don't understand it. People are so perplexed by the idea that a man might just be respectful to women and treat them like people and thus be easy to go on dates with about Pete Davidson. And I was like, you know, like, sure, if you put him in a lineup against like Ryan Gosling and like Alexander Skarsgård and Pedro Pascal, like, am I going to pick Pete Davidson like zero percent of the time? However, I hear what you're saying. Like, in real life, like, it does seem like he's a funny guy. It does seem like he's, like, a nice guy. And it seems like she's vouching that he's very respectful to women. And I'm like, yeah, I I bet in a real-life scenario, I could see it. Yeah, I don't doubt it. I don't think it's just, like, BDE, as everyone says. (laughs) Yeah. I think he's a genuinely charming person. And, like, I don't think he's unattractive, just not traditionally, maybe. And I have to imagine if you're, for example, Kim Kardashian or Emily Ratajkowski, you're being talked to and objectified in a certain way by male suitors. And I bet you're also having a lot of very vapid conversations that it might just be refreshing. Yeah. And everyone likes to laugh. Yeah, I agree. So I'm not. It's always attractive. Like, I'm still not. Like, he's not in my top five celebrity crush territory or anywhere near it but like I think I'm coming around that I see the appeal but if he asked you out I'd say yeah yes I'd say yes okay great I'm looking forward to reading about that relationship because I it could happen it could maybe I'll meet him on Staten Island that would be great I've never been to Staten Island that would be the best thing for three things ever (laughs) this week a recap of my date with Pete Davidson as a transition into your next thing, maybe that's on Staten Island or Pete Davidson is on my mood board for spring summer. I'd love that for you. I love it. Oh, yeah, my thing. Yeah, tell me your thing. <laughs> I, I was just thinking about you guys. <laughs> He's really tall, which is great for me. He is tall. I When I paused, I was picturing like what would be on the mood board, and it was you two eating hot dogs together. I know you don't like hot dogs. But I'm such a hypocrite because I like a pigs in a blanket. Okay, so you have the mini hot dog, the pigs in the blanket. He mm-hmm. has the hot dogs. It's, I mean, you like what you like. I respect it. What else is on your spring and summer mood board? Because like, you, what are the images that pop into your mind? Can you go first? Because I feel like you might have already thought about this. And I'll ignore you and then think of my own. I, I think I've talked about this before when we talked about Pinterest. But I want to spend as much time as possible just laying in grass. Oh, just. Yeah picnicking face up or face down both great like just staring at like blades of grass and wildflowers and that's that's basically what I want a large portion of the summer to be um cold beverages Mm -hmm. in fancy glasses like vintage glassware with just like an iced tea oh Mm -hmm. like a basil iced tea that sounds really Mm -hmm. nice lemon uh lots of very colorful flowy dresses which I feel like I usually do but I haven't worn a dress in so long oh that's interesting for you that you haven't worn a dress yeah well I just unpacked them basically oh they've been three days ago (laughs) yeah and also even though now I'm looking at the outside and it somehow suddenly looks like summer I feel like it's been winter forever so okay they're gonna come out um straw hats I'd like to acquire some straw hats eating outside I want like I want friends that would be good friends are on my vision board and okay. then I'm gonna have a long um dining table outside oh I can see this all different taper candles I've been collecting yeah them. yeah yeah a gingham tablecloth big fresh baguettes from the farmer's market butter 
That's all you're serving. <laughs> oh, butter is just by itself on the vision board. No. And then just like a fresh pasta salad or something. Oh. And like no mosquitoes. Mm-hmm. Just I wish for them to be extinct. That's on my vision board. Sure. So those are some things. Okay. 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 Has this sparked your, your vibes? Yeah. Yeah. I think the biggest vibe on my summer mood board, which I don't actually foresee happening for myself, but I'm feeling very drawn to, is an Italy moment. Oh, yes. And I think both in the city sense, like going to Rome, I've only been to Rome once and I was probably like 19. So I would really like to revisit it. And then I also really want to do Sicily, which I've never been to. And your trip from last year looked just incredible. Or, you know, the White Lotus season two. (laughs) I've looked at that hotel. It is booked. It's the four seasons and it's booked until the end of time. Is Um, it? Yeah. Oh. So an Italy moment or Italy vibes, like, okay, kind of a little bit glamorous, but also eating pasta and drinking wine, citrus trees, being on the coast. And I don't know that whole what vibe. Are you, what are you wearing? What's your what's your fashion vibe? Oh, like I, I'm probably wearing something really chic. Like, I feel like I'm wearing a black like bodycon tank top tucked into a like a very full a-line skirt that's white maybe or like white and black striped and I feel like I have a hat on but it's kind of diagonal so it like covers one side of my face very dramatically it's very Grace Kelly Mm -hmm. I that's that sounds perfect Mm -hmm. I'm also wearing red lipstick or maybe like orangey red yeah something Mm. very summery okay I love that for you and leaving lip prints on my wine glass of like really crisp white wine oh yeah this is turning into like a, a murder mystery i think <laughs> and i murder someone surprise crisp white wine just one of the best things about about summer why can't there be like a non-alcoholic white wine my one is one that of my, just juice <laughs> i don't know one of my good friends is pregnant right now and she's tried a bunch of the non-alcoholic wines and she's like they are all terrible i totally believe that they're so sweet but so delicious So that's on my mood board. Also, like, weird adventures is on my mood board. So, like, city adventures. Like, going to see weird things. So my friend Allie and I, this weekend, we were making plans. And she was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to do something weird. And I tried to get her to go on a day trip to New Haven to, like, walk around and look at all of the secret societies and then, like, go to the Peabody Museum and then get New Haven pizza. But she has a dog, and it was a little too long for her to leave him. That does sound fun. So instead, we're going to the Met Cloisters, which I've never been to. Finally. Finally. So yeah, I want to go on like weird little adventures, which may or may not include Staten Island. I love weird little adventures. And to add to the allure of Staten Island, I don't know if this is still true or if it's closed, but it used to be the closest Chili's to me. (laughs) I want to go to a Chili's this summer too, actually. I'll go anytime. I don't think I've told you this. Maybe I have. So close to the town where we live, there is a field. And in that field, there's nothing else but, you know, the chili pepper on a chili pepper sign. Yeah. It's like a huge 10 foot by 10 foot chili pepper. But not a chili. in the middle of the field alone. Nope. Just oh. no chilies, no building, nothing, just the pepper. I'd like to take my photo there. That's on my mood board. I'm putting it on. We're going there. It's one of the like three locations to visit here. So we're going to go. And then I feel like adding on to yours, either attending your outdoor dinner party or going to other people's outdoor dinner parties. I feel like I want to have like an Ina Garten, Stanley Tucci type 
relaxed, simple, but elevated food outside, really wine-soaked type summer. Yes. Me too. 100%. You're invited and you can bring Pete if you'd like. Oh, thank you. And then, you know, what what else might be on my mood board as a real wild card? So I'll, I'll probably go up to Maine at some point. I feel like I just like live part-time in Maine at this point. <laughs> yeah. But uh, last year, so the the Portland Sea Dogs is the minor league baseball <laughs> team in Portland. And a few times a year, they have these like games where they become a novelty team for a night. And so last year we went when they were the, they were the Maine bean suppers. And my friend's boyfriend just texted me this morning, texted both of us this morning. And apparently this year they're becoming the main clam bakes. Oh, fun. And they like make merch and it's just like an angry (laughs) clam with a baseball bat. And like, I might need to go. It's worth it for the t-shirt alone. I love a novelty t-shirt so much. And that's the perfect type. But for like a fake baseball team. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's perfect. That sounds like the ideal weird adventure i know so that might be on my mood board too which i bet you weren't expecting and lobster rolls always lobster rolls oh that sounds good it all sounds good now i am ready for summer yeah forget forget spring me too i just bought a new air conditioner today so i'm ready it hasn't come oh you know our house is kind of staying solid at 73 right now and it's 90 outside which i feel kind of good about that because we have no air conditioning okay So as I mentioned, for my final thing, I am ceding my thing to a mystery guest. Welcome, mystery guest. Identify yourself. (laughs) It's Grace. It's Grace Atwood. (laughs) I don't think I'm a mystery, though, because I think, well, I mentioned on my stories that I was doing this. Oh, Um, I, at the top of the episode, teased it as a mystery. Well, a a lot of my audience was like, you should go on Bad on Paper to talk about it. And I was like, that's funny. Becca just messaged to see if I would. Everyone's on the same page. Well, what are we talking about? So recently there was an article in the New York Times and it featured um, an ex, I guess she's an ex-influencer. I mean, to me, she's still influencing, but um, talking about, so the influencer in question is um, an influencer called Lee from America. And Becca, I feel like back in the day you followed her. We talked about her a lot at Lola because she was very much in this like natural organic products space she was very into like health wellness fitness in her like first iteration of the internet yes and I didn't follow for me the content was it was very like these are all these herbs you have to put in your smoothie and this is how you be well and I was like this is not for me but um it she, she had a huge following and she walked away from it. And so in this article in the New York Times essentially says that influencers have less freedom than people with bosses at day jobs. And it just felt to me, it felt wildly out of touch. It felt I don't know. I, I said a lot of things in my Instagram stories, especially the out of touch and that it's just false. Like if you are an influencer and you are burnt out, you can take a few days off. If you are a marketing director and you're burnt out, maybe your boss will give you some time off, but it's, it's different, you know? And I just, I found it, I found it to be a little crazy. And I also, I did like parts of it, like talking about how influencing is a real job, talking about how there are transferable skills. To me, that's like pretty obvious, but I'm glad to see the New York Times like acknowledging that. I just, what did you guys think of it? So... 
I'm of two minds. I think first, the format was not the format to have this discussion. And I don't know whose fault that is. Like, if she got a bad edit here and somebody just made her out to sound way worse than she is because they were biased against her or, or something because she came off terrible in this article. Or if she approached, had a publicist pitch the New York Times this concept, in which case, like, it was her mistake. Um, but I, I feel like it's a pretty nuanced discussion that I would have liked to see addressed in like a long read article by her as opposed to packaged in this format where there's like some salacious pull quotes from her that make her sound mm-hmm. terrible. Um, because I think, yeah. you know, it's real. Like, yeah, there are downsides to being a person on the internet. I think that's a, a really hard conversation to have because nobody really wants to hear about it, especially in the case, I think it said at one point that she's charging like twenty to $30,000 for sponsored posts. Like nobody wants to break out their tiny violin for her. Um, yeah. But at the same time, she had this like, it seemed like in the article, she had this attitude and I'll, I'll read you the quote. So she's talking about a coworker and she says, you don't get it. Ms. Tileman remembered saying, you think you're a slave, but you're not. He had it backwards, she added. When you're an influencer, then you have (laughs) chains on. And I was like, this is so out of touch. That quote to me, I was... You cannot say that. You as a white, a wealthy white influencer, you cannot say slave. Like that... And then chains. I was like, yeah. Like that felt insane. And then also it felt like there was this that she had a really strong need for validation for her choices where like I feel like it's kind of like good for you not for me like she loves working in office amazing I'm so happy she's found what what brings her joy like not everyone is cut out for every job Um, but for her to say this to a coworker, like if a coworker said that to me I mean they would definitely be the subject of happy hour discussion but like how yeah. dare she say that to a coworker who wanted to work for themselves? Yeah. I just, it felt so out of touch. And I also was, so there was some other things I thought of since posting those stories. First of all, like, I think, you know, I obviously like compare myself to it. I left my day job at 32. She is now, I think, 32 and leaving influencing. Mm. So I don't think she's ever really had a day job. I think she is one of that younger generation that has only ever influenced. So I think that that would change, would probably give her a totally different perspective. Yeah. I have a lot of thoughts on this too, but similarly to what you said, Grace, like this idea that being your own boss, of course there are challenges with it, but this idea that it's harder or that you have less agency somehow is, is not true because It's up to you to set the boundaries. It's up to you to say no to partnerships. You always can, particularly if you're making twenty or thirty thousand dollars from a partnership, you could do one a month and post nothing else and be very, very, very successful by any standard. And you can turn off your DMs, you can turn and sure it might hurt you a little bit financially in some way or or cause you to lose some followers, but ultimately you're still going to be making a lot of money. You're still gonna be successful in doing what you want to do. So I didn't, 
I don't know. I didn't really understand it. Like I could understand the the concept of like emotional burnout, like reading things about yourself on the internet or whatever, when you have 400,000 followers that I could get walking away from it. But like this idea that the work was too much and that she couldn't ever turn it off, I think is just her own lack of boundaries, which everyone has to learn, you know, like everyone. Yeah. Someone in my Facebook group wrote like making three $300,000 a year and nary a ther- therapist in sight. And <laughs> that kind of made me laugh. It was like, girl, like get yourself some boundaries, say no to some partnerships, give yourself a pay cut. That's still going to be better than, or maybe it isn't because again, we, what works for some people doesn't work for others, but I just think there's ways to transition. And then I also think it's the other part of this is she is now making money selling courses to influencers to teach them how to quit. Do you know yeah. how much she charged for that course? I don't know. I, I don't either. I'm cu- it was so $40. Curious. Okay. For, and it was $40. capped at 15 right. people. So she made, so she said, yeah. she made like, I'm bad at math. Like, what not is that the, much. Like $600. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not enough to live on. Like, sure. Not $20,000 for one post. (laughs) Right. Um, It feels like at that point, it's like not even making enough money where she should have just done it for free for the people who wanted it. Well, if if I'm like, if you, she said like, she's selling this course about how to transfer your skills if you're an influencer and kind of get out of it, which I think is kind of interesting. But like, if the platform wasn't valuable to her, if she didn't want anything to do with it, why would you do this article? (laughs) <laughs> and and why would you still have your account? Like right. you could start a new account for just your friends. If what you really want is to let go of all of that, then you kind of have to let go of all of that. Right. Yeah, it feels like she I has don't. one foot in, one foot out because there's no reason for her career necessarily. Like I understand with like actors or actresses, like um, do you remember when Tavi Gevinson, who very much came up on the internet basically said that she was like totally stepping away from Instagram and that she has an assistant. She like texts it to her and the the assistant posts on her behalf. Like she doesn't log on to Instagram, but you know, as somebody who's now transitioned into being an actress, I can understand why like it behooves her to have a social media presence to like promote her work. Totally. But it's like, if Lee's goal is to just have an office job and clock in and clock out, it's like, why do you need to still have this? Just like, yeah. Yeah. And why do you need to like scream from the mountains about it? Because like she could do, you know, she could have a corporate job and do one sponsor post a month or whatever. No one would say anything about it. <laughs> like you just, <laughs> well, exactly. Now they will. Like when you have to make some big statement about it, just, I don't know, make the choices that work for you. And yeah. And if we've seen a lot of influencers get burnt out and leave like um, Lindsay from Lindsay and co quit her Instagram Jess Kirby I believe is like going to be done with it soon um she gave herself like a year to transition out of all her partnerships and that's great like if that's what if someone doesn't want to do something anymore like figure out a sustainable way I just felt like the article was it felt crazy to me it felt like someone got wind of the courses and was like oh people are going to go nuts over this because they're going to hate this woman And that was the point of the whole story, I think, which is problematic in itself, maybe. But she didn't do herself any favors. I know. I know. I was looking at her Instagram in the comment section. Like, first of all, I don't understand people who leave negative comments on someone else's Instagram. Like, 
it's just like it's their space so like why are you going in there but i think there was no post on new york times or anything or an outlet for them to comment so people were just going in droves and like saying horrible stuff to her and i was like well, that can't feel great. Well, I, I also saw she made yesterday, like, it was like a teaser trailer for her. She was like, this used to be me. And it was like, buy these supplements. And no. this used to be me. And then, and then it was, I saw it like 13 minutes after she posted it because I was looking at it in anticipation of this conversation. So maybe she deleted it. I don't know. But then, it, then she was like, would you want to be the same person on the internet that you were when you were 15? That's what it's like to be an influencer. I'm like, you get to make these choices. You get to set the boundaries. Like, I don't understand why. Yeah. I don't know. It's not, I don't understand. it's not the same thing. <laughs> I've been doing this since I was 28 and I'm 41 now. And I'm, I'm in a lot of ways, the same person, but in a lot of ways, totally different. And it's fine. You, you, you change and you grow. Yeah. And people stay or they don't. And that's totally up to them. And you have to be okay with that. And if you're not, then you should not be on the internet. <laughs> it also yes, felt like exactly. a, such a weird anticlimactic flag to put in the sand because it also wasn't like she was having a lot of a hard time finding a new job or it didn't seem like that based on the article. Like that would have been interesting if it was like, I have this ability to make this much money online, but nobody will hire me to like run a social media account for them or something like it didn't seem like she didn't have options she just wanted to tell everyone else how how terrible being an influencer is like it was like yeah you can silently just go get a, a job good for you <laughs> yes like, we don't need a new york times article about it <laughs> yeah yeah man i don't know it was it was interesting <laughs> i wonder what's next for her i'll be watching i mean i don't follow i don't follow. I never did. The, the wellness accounts can kind of be too much for me sometimes. Um, <laughs> but I will be looking forward to whatever she does next. I hope she's happy in it. Yeah. I guess we don't. I just don't get it. Did you, did you read that part of the article where she was like, the people that get it, get it. <laughs> the people that don't, don't. I don't maybe know that's what she needs to because... say for her mental health. Like, yeah. yeah, if that protects her, great. Yeah. I mean, I think that, Grace, you're right. Like, there are so many interesting conversations to be had about influencing. I just don't know if this was it. No. No, this wasn't the one. Um, yeah. Or, yeah, I feel like they could have just, then they could have maybe profiled different people, like someone who had a day job and went to influencing or, like, like just given given it a range of of voices. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree. It's tricky. I also then I had a lot of people coming to me saying that I was demonizing desk jobs when when I talked about it in my stories. And I that was the last thing. Like, I know I was just trying to give the example of sometimes you have like, what's she going to say after she has a terrible boss that like makes her work till nine or ten o'clock at night or something like that. And I hope that that's not her situation. I would never wish that on somebody. And I know that there's so many amazing balanced day jobs out there. I had great ones in my 20s. I also had some really terrifying ones. Yeah, I didn't think you were demonizing them at all, but... Yeah, I wouldn't... Yeah, I mean... And I, I also recognize everyone's different and what is someone's ideal is not another person's. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on and sharing a thing with us. Would you like to stay for obsessions and books or do you have to go? I have to go. I have to get ready for this dinner. Come back anytime. Have fun, yeah. If you ever have a thing to talk about... <laughs> 
I will. I will let you know. <laughs> it was so cute. So many people were like, you should go on bat on paper and talk about this. And Wish I was granted. Like, I was asked. <laughs> people are going to be so excited. I hope so. <laughs> Thanks right. for doing this. Yes, thank you. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Well, Olivia, mm-hmm. now that we're out of things and it's just us again, shall we get into some obsessions and books? Yes. What is your obsession? Okay, so I have a new chapstick plus obsession mm. and it's lano lips have you ever tried it i have oh do you not like it is that what that face is about i just know what it is and oh it made me it made me feel cool <laughs> well so i for years and years and years have been using the bite agave lip mask and they discontinued it i guess they reformulated it and then nobody liked the new formula so they just pulled it and so i've been trying a bunch of lip products i've tried the laneige lip mask which i think is what you like i've tried the tatcha mm. lip mask i just don't really like any of them and so this one I got it on Amazon it's not expensive I think I think it was like 12 bucks so you know it's I guess more expensive than a tube of chapstick but not prohibitively expensive like the Tatcha lip mask I think is very expensive oh that's way too expensive that one is and I really like it it feels like Vaseline adjacent but it doesn't I feel like there's a stickiness to Vaseline there's like a staying like it 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 doesn't doesn't absorb yeah that yeah, I don't it's like. It's just like the layer. Yeah. I get that. Um, so I'm really enjoying this as my supplement to the Bite Agave Lip Mask, which I still prefer but no longer exists. Mm, rest in peace. R.I.P. Hopefully they bring it back. Maybe they'll figure out a, the right formula. Yeah. Um, what are you obsessed with? I am obsessed with this show called Jury Duty on Amazon Freebie, I think is what it's called. Have you seen this on TikTok? It's everywhere. I've seen people talking about it, but I haven't seen the show. What is it about? Oh my gosh, it's so funny. So the concept is all of these people have jury duty um, and they're all actors except for one guy on on the jury who doesn't know. And James Marsden is in it, but he plays himself like just he happens to be called for jury duty. Oh, I was going to say, how does he not recognize James Marsden? Yeah, it's like part of the whole thing. And it's really funny that he's James Marsden. Anyway, um, it is kind of like The Office a little bit, which I'm not like an office like fanatic like some people are. But it is really different and very, very funny. What type of case are they on a jury for? It's like a... (laughs) I'm laughing just thinking about it, but it's like um, a distress, like compensation sort of thing, emotional okay. distress Okay. Um, from this woman who owns a clothing company <laughs> and she makes like the clothing out of dehydrated mangoes. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Anyway, it's, it's worth watching. There's some really hilarious characters and it's like easy to watch and just light and funny. Okay. And I see from this outline that you finally finished Demon Copperhead and you have a new book. Tell me what you've been reading. Yes. So I've actually been reading a lot. So I'm reading like three different books simultaneously. But for some reason, every episode, I just have one that I finished. But I finished The House in the Pines by Anna Reyes. This was a Reese's book club pick this year. And it's been on the bestseller list, I think, for a while, probably because of the book club. I read this book very fast. I thought the writing was very good. But it had a twist that was almost identical to another book I've read. And it's a very, very specific twist, like very specific to the point where I don't know how these two books could exist with a twist that similar. Didn't love it, but I 
did appreciate the writing. It was weird because it didn't feel fast paced, but I read it very quickly. So okay. I don't know what that means, but um, I'll give it to the author there. Okay. You've been reading a lot here. I have. I've been <laughs> what reading a lot. What have you read? So over the weekend when I was in Charleston, I read The Five Star Weekend by Ellen Hildebrand, which is her summer book that comes out in June of this year. And this is her second to last Nantucket book before she retires. Is she retiring? Yes and no. So she's retiring, but she's sold. So 2025 was supposed to be her last book, her last summer book in Nantucket. But she signed a book deal with her daughter who's in high school, who's a senior in high school. And it's a boarding school mystery series that they're co-writing together. And so there's it's a two-book series. And I think the first one's coming out in 2024 and the second one's in 2025. So, huh. Oh, sorry, I misspoke before. Her her last summer book was supposed to be 2024. Oh. And then she has said on Instagram that she has other ideas for a book. She's just not going to do a book a year or she's like not going to do anything she doesn't want to do. So anyway. Good for her. Yeah. Good for her. Sad for us. So I read The Five Star Weekend, and I feel like she is just so leaning in to peak Ellen-ness with the second to last book, and even what I've heard of her last book, too. So it is about a food blogger who is in her, probably in her 50s, who has a college-age daughter, and her husband dies uh, very suddenly, like, in the first chapter. She is originally from Nantucket and, and returns to, she has a summer house there, comes back to Nantucket for the summer and ends up hosting what is called a five-star weekend. And she invites a girlfriend from each phase of her life. So she invites her high school best friend, her college best friend, her best friend from when her kids were young, and then her current best friend, all for this weekend on Nantucket. So I feel like it really leans into two of the things that I think Ellen does best, which are food descriptions and just like the Nantucket porn of it all with like a girl's weekend going to all the best places on Nantucket. And I mean, she can do no wrong in my eyes. <laughs> I, I love an Ellen. It was a treat. That sounds It was lovely. a treat. I liked it. I definitely liked it more than her previous two books, I think. Oh, is that out now or is it coming out soon? Coming out in June. Okay. Yeah. And then I reread a book called How to Fake It in Hollywood by Ava Wilder, which I realized, uh, thanks to Goodreads, that I read at this exact time on basically the same dates last year. Ooh, spooky. But I, I reread this as research for my own book that I'm currently writing. And this is, I guess it's a famous person, slightly less famous person romance. It's about a kind of struggling C-list actress who gets into a fake relationship with like a PR relationship with an A-list celebrity who seems to be kind of comped off of Ben Affleck. And I don't always talk about on the podcast what I'm rereading, but I wanted to talk about this because I had originally rated it as three stars and I think I was much too harsh on it. And I think I was much too harsh on it because It was much darker than I expected it to be. And I think that really surprised me on first read. There is a very heavy plot line about alcoholism in it, which I was not expecting. Um, Also trigger warning. Um, But I reread it and I really liked it this time. I have this one. I've had this one. I just haven't picked it up yet for some reason. I feel like it also might have gotten a little buried because it came out maybe the same month or right around the same time as um, Funny You Should Ask by Alyssa Sussman. And I feel like it might have gotten overshadowed. Um, 
But this is worth revisiting. And if you're a library reader, hopefully it's available. Hmm. So I really liked that. And then today, this morning, I read The Bodyguard by Catherine Center in one day. And I have a bone to pick with everyone. With everyone. Why is that? Except for my friend Ashley. Because how has nobody forced me to read Catherine Center before? How has nobody like yelled at me or like gone on and on about how fantastic she is? I, perfect book, no notes, loved this book. So the book is The Bodyguard. Um, It came out in 2022. It is about a female bodyguard who gets assigned to uh, protect an A-list celebrity. And he's in Texas because his mom is uh, dealing with a health issue and he doesn't want to stress his mom out more. So she pretends to be his girlfriend. Uh, The the bodyguard does. There's a a lot of tropes there. A lot going on. It is not steamy at all. There's no steam. It is really funny. It was so fast paced. I literally read it in four hours today. I was smiling from ear to ear. It has the exact vibes of a 90s Meg Ryan rom-com. It is perfect. It is perfect. I have already ordered the rest of her books. Not all of them. She's written eight, but I've already ordered two more of her books. Like I am ready. Oh my gosh. Okay. This sounds really good. This feels like when I discovered Ellen Hildebrand and I was like, why haven't I been reading this all along? This is so good. Oh, that's such a nice feeling. Yeah. My friend Ashley um, is currently on maternity leave and she texted me a few weeks ago and she was like, have you read The Bodyguard? I feel like you would really like it. And I ordered it. And I'm like, I have a bone to pick with everyone but her because today I talked about it on my Instagram story and I've gotten hundreds of DMs from people being like, I love her. I love this book. And I was like, why did nobody tell me? Huh. Well, now you're telling the world. So hopefully everyone knows now. Hi, Catherine Center. I'm your biggest fan now. <laughs> This is a Zodiac Academy situation. <laughs> it is. It is. And if none of those appeal to you, next week we have our April Book Club, which is Before We Were Innocent by Ella Berman, which is a suspense story about a group of three friends who go on a high school graduation trip in 2008 and only two come back from that trip. And the two girls who survive become the center of this like very hot lightning rod true crime media story. Um, And then it's told in two timelines. So the first is the trip. And then the second is 10 years later when one of the surviving girls partners goes missing and they're drawn back together. I am so excited to talk to you about this. I'm I'm listening to the audio right now in anticipation of book club next week. I'm excited. I'm almost done with it, and I'm really, really liking it. So, Oh, good. I, I kind of picked this for you because I really felt like this would be in the di- Venn diagram. Yes, it was a really, really good choice. I've been super impressed with it so far. And okay, good. I'm not yet done, but I am very much looking forward to talking about it. Amazing. So pick that up and chat about it with us. You can also join us in the Facebook group where we'd love to talk about any of these things. We'd love to hear what you think about Pete Davidson and the Lee from America article and what's on your summer mood board. And you can join us on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. I'm at Olivia Mentor. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.